You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome to the show, friend. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a little five-star review. If you haven't yet, we love you forever, if you will. Well, I mean, we do anyways, but today's episode is diving deep into some simple and yet meaty financial principles inspired by a book that Lindsay and I read recently, The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson. Classen. Clayson. I don't know. Either way, Lindsay read this book back in May, and when she finished it, she immediately told me to read it. It inspired us to do a podcast episode because while the book is a short and relatively simple read, it is full of historical lessons, stories, and principles for building financial wealth that we can easily apply to our world today. In today's episode, we are covering the seven cures to a lean purse, aka lessons to avoid having a thin wallet from the book and expanding on each principle taught and sharing our own advice and experiences with each. This book is so incredible and it is recommended a lot in the financial world for good reason. So if you are ready to dive into some hefty and good lessons in building wealth for your life, let's get into it. Have you ever spent all freaking day trying to write Instagram captions, but you end up just staring at a blank document with that gosh darn cursor taunting you? Our hands are raised high to the freaking sky because we've been there plenty of times. Listen, writer's block is real and it's something that we all experience, even the best writers. But there are ways that we can make those batch days of caption writing smooth sailing. Even if you're not naturally inclined, you can in fact become a great writer and learn how to write good captions which is why we are here. We are going to give you our best tips on writing quality Instagram captions that convert to sales with your audience. We have our freebie, how to write good Instagram captions, just waiting for you to take advantage of. All you gotta do is pop on over to theheartuniversity.com forward slash captions, and you will be a lean, mean writing machine, my friend, pumping out Instagram captions in no time. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. I am so excited for this episode. I know, it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be good. I am, am nerding out. I was going to say, I feel like we say the, the phrase like, oh, we're nerding out, or like, oh, I have my nerd cap on, or whatever, but, but, but genuinely, <laughs> we are nerding out, and we do nerd out a lot, so welcome to us. <laughs> I just, I remember, I read The Richest Man of Babylon upon... Andrew, my husband's suggestion, and I think he heard it from like multiple episodes of listening to Bigger Pockets, the podcast. Yeah. Um, I think on that show they ask for book recommendations, but I think they specifically ask for real estate or finance book recommendations. And so after like five or six people had recommended that book, he was like, okay, I need to read it. Um, and I remember I think he put it on his Christmas list and I gave it to him for Christmas. And the cover that I bought him has like the old an old man on it. And I was like, what the heck? This is <laughs> Like, it looks like not something that, like, a young 20-something, like, oh, gosh, I'm 30. Just kidding. A young, like, 30-something. <laughs> like, a young entrepreneur female would want to read. Like, it doesn't, like, appeal to our senses, right? Um, but don't let that deter you. Because I read it, and I was like, Evie, get on this. I mean, it's good. 
It's, and it's not like it's mind blowing in the sense of, oh, I've never heard this concept before, but it gives like age time. To, what is the word I'm trying to say? Like age old. Time, yes. Timeless. Time. Yes. <laughs> Either time- one of those work. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Timeless financial principles that are genius and just, it, it's told in a very storytelling way that, um, is fun to read, but also mm-hmm. like when I was reading it, I was like, yes, mm, yes. <laughs> I just hit my chest. <laughs> it's, it's tried and true financial principles that are presented in a unique way from the perspective of one of the wealthiest and most affluential, uh, cities in yeah. history, Babylon and the wealthiest man, the legends of the wealthiest man in that. So it's, it's just very fascinating. So it's, it's a very unique read. I, we will say we're about to go through the seven cures to a lean purse as presented in that book. And I, uh-huh. I want to say the book does use thy, thou didst that sort of language. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's written, but it's, it's not like the whole book is written like in the, like it, that's, it's an easy read in the sense of like, it's not like thy shalt not do like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah, it's not whatever you get it. You get it. But if we start saying thy and thou in giving these principles, it is directly from the book. Lindsay and I do not necessarily speak like that on a regular basis. <laughs> well, if, if they've listened to literally any other episode of this show and then they they'll know, know that, that. <laughs> they will know we say not those words. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. We're going to try to make this short and sweet because the reality is we want to just put these principles in front of you today, but you should go read the book. Like if you want to really dive into these principles, yeah. go get the book. It's very cheap, very like short read, but so good. Everything that we're about to give you is from one chapter. I think there's like yeah. six or seven chapters. Again, it's a really thin book, but like there is, this is meaty. So that, like Evie said, these are the seven cures to a lean purse. So basically in the story, he's saying that these are the seven cures to not have a thin wallet, AKA have a fat wallet, AKA build wealth. Okay. (laughs) All right. So let's dive on in. Cure number one is start thy purse to fattening. I already feel like people are (laughs) judging us. (laughs) start thy purse to... I feel like I need to have like a minstrel behind me with like a lyre or something and be like, (laughs) start thy purse to fat... Okay, I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) Okay, so what does, Evie, start thy purse to fattening mean? Because that sounds like English, please. Well, I mean, technically that is old English verbiage, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. What does that mean in today's tongue? In the book, the principle is to set aside one-tenth of all money you make. So at least 10% of your income should be set aside and saved in, you know, in their analogy in the book, they're talking about like people used to carry around coin purses or, you know, whatever. That's how that's where all their, their coins, their gold, their, you know, whatever was, was carried. And they were saying, leave, you know, one-tenth in your purse at all times so that it can get fatter, aka you, you're you building a reservoir of cash to use. And this is when we kind of go into the rest of the principles, but to use later to work for you to make more money. Right. Which upon hearing that, you might be like, okay, duh, save yeah. one-tenth of my money, like into a savings account or whatever. But you haven't heard all the principles yet. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so, so principle number one is literally just set aside one-tenth of all the money you make. Like at a minimum, I'm in in the book, it says like 
set aside no less than one-tenth. So it's that's the bare minimum. That's not saying that's the cap that you should ever reach. Right. And I mean, in the book, it's obviously talking in gold coins. So it's like, if you get 10 gold coins, set one gold coin to the side. Okay, great. You get it. Moving on. Number two, uh, the second cure for a lean purse is to control thy expenditures. Now, what does that mean in plain English? or modern English is what we should say, maybe, uh, it's to control the money that you're spending, right? Mm -hmm. Control your expenditures, keep it minimum. Um, so basically like the question is like, how can we keep one tenth of all we earn in our purse? If what we earn is not enough to even pay our necessary expenditures or expenses. So, I mean, again, in plain English, if you are making money and every single cent of every single penny that you're making is going towards your bills, you might be like, well, how, how do I set aside one tenth of it? Because all of it is going towards my mortgage or my, my rent or my bill, you know, my light bill, my, all the things. Right. Yeah. Um, so Evie, do you want to like, yeah, well, dive into that? so, so in the book, um, the, the man who's teaching these principles, he gets asked this question, you know, how can I set this aside when everything that I earn is being, is going towards expenses? And he challenges everyone in the room and says, who here had a lean purse yesterday? So who here has been struggling financially? Every single person raised their hand. And then he points out, every single one of you earns a different amount. You have different sized families. Some of you don't even have families yet. Some Like such a variety of different financial stations and expenses and needs. And his point was, and this is such a powerful truth, your expenses will always match your income unless you limit your expenses intentionally. Like you oh, will always so spend, you will always spend what you're making unless you're consciously making a choice to save or invest or anything else. It's very easy to spend money that's in your hand that's available, which that's a whole unless, other topic. Unless you, prevent, <laughs> unless you prevent it somehow. I mean, yes. that's so, even in our life, when we first got married and we were living in Kansas, this was before I started photography. Well, even kind of at the beginning of my photography career, this was right when uh, Andrew joined the Coast Guard. We were like, no, it was, this was before he joined the Coast Guard. So he was still in school. And so like every penny that I was making in my photography business was going to rent, was going to our trash bill. I that's not even what it's called. Whatever. You get it. <laughs> um, like every penny. We were like dirt poor. And then when he joined the Coast Guard and we moved to Hawaii and my business started becoming a little bit more successful, like our income drastically went up. Um, and like our, we started eating out more. We started yeah. like, it, it's natural to start spending more and increasing like the luxury of the lifestyle that you're living if yeah. you have that money available unless you protect it and keep safeguards around it. Obviously that's what people say when they create a budget, but even that sometimes doesn't work depending on how you set it up. Mm-hmm. But that's the second principle is to have, cultivate that self-discipline to pay attention to your expenses and to control them as much as possible in the sense of, oh, do you actually need the brand new car or could you buy a used one? Do you actually need the biggest house or could you go for a smaller one? Do you actually, like just a variety of things, pay attention. Do you need the best of the best or could you do with a thrifted jacket? Like I'm not saying like live in this poverty mentality, but at the same time, just because you're making let's say you're making 50,000 a year. Do you need to be spending 50,000 a year? Probably not. Or, you know, no. whatever. That's just a random number. But think through strategically, okay, just because I'm making X amount each week, each month, each whatever, does not mean I can also be spending that same amount. So being yeah. aware and 
cultivating that self-discipline around your, your expenses and your finances to know where your money's going and to steward it well. And it's, it's like basically saying like, no matter how much money you're making right now, control your expenses in a way that you're lowering them so that you can set aside one-tenth of every single penny that you make. Or more. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, or more. Um, that's number two, control by expenditures. Number three is make thy gold multiply with the thighs. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I like pause weirdly there. So so Lindsay, in, in modern language, what does that mean? Okay, so remember how we said in point number one to set one-tenth of the money that you make aside, well, make thy gold multiply basically in the book is just saying, invest the one-tenth that you set aside. Now, this is where I think a lot of people get it wrong. I think a lot of people understand the concept of saving. I think yeah. they understand that, that in, in a world that which we live, we should save money, right? Everyone thinks that, everyone knows that. And what that often means is putting money in like a bank account for an emergency fund, which is an emergency fund is not bad. But I think when you think about putting money into just a bank account and letting it sit there forever, just mm-hmm. as like a safeguard, that doesn't, that money's not working for you. It's just literally, literally sitting in a bank account, making the yeah. money. Like, and, um, and not to say that you shouldn't have that emergency fund sitting in a bank account, you know, depending right. on, depending on how your, your financial structure is, that's not inherently bad. But if that is the only money that you have set aside somewhere doing something and it's doing nothing, that's a problem. Right. That's, so basically making thy gold multiply is how can I get my own money to work for me to make myself more money? So with that one-tenth that you're setting aside, um, like a a really common like way, uh, like a modern world way to do this is say you get paid into your bank account from either yourself or a a corporate job or whatever. It could be even like I work at the Gap and the Gap pay, whatever. I don't care where you work. Take that money and maybe make a separate bank account that's called investing and put mm-hmm. one-tenth of every single paycheck into that bank account. And so what that means basically is saving that money for using it and, and spending it on things that will make you money in the future. Like don't take one-tenth of your savings, yeah. of your of your money that you're saving and buy it on like a freaking boat. Yeah. Like I would, what we do is like we have a luxury account, but we put money in investment first, like in our investment account first before yeah. we put money into a luxury account. So I'm not saying you can't ever have fancy things or you can't buy a boat if you really are saving up towards a boat. That's not what we're saying here, but we are saying prioritize yeah. investments and, and yeah. saving towards money or saving your money towards something that you can purchase that will make you more money. That's how you get your yep. money to work for you and build wealth in the long run. Yep. I also just want to clarify, my husband and I have a boat. So there's nothing, we're not saying you can never buy a boat. Well, also, However, did you get like off of like Craigslist for like very oh, yeah, it was, like it, was it was a freaking steal. It was so cheap. But I mean, it was one of those expenses that our investments are in a, a steady and happy or go, like really good place. Right. And that was that's a that's a fun money like budget expense for I feel us. Like, I feel like when I wrote, don't buy a freaking boat, what I mean by that is like, if don't you buy a $70,000 boat when you... <laughs> right, right. When you live in like suburbia or, or like, I just, I, I, you know, you when you drive past those houses that like, it's like, and granted, I don't, maybe this is me judging. I don't know their financial world like situation. Yeah. Um, but I just, maybe, you know, you see people with boats that like just want to look flashy on the water. They have their little like, what what's a, what's a boat that's like a, like a, a pontoon boat. Yeah. You know, like those, <laughs> like that's just like cruising down like an Arkansas river. Okay. Never mind. I mean, I'm maybe joking. they actually, maybe they actually uh, can afford that. Maybe they're living I know, in a smaller I know. house I'm because I shouldn't, 
I shouldn't judge. Okay. I, okay. I, I not only should we not judge, but I also want to say I've had this conversation with so many friends in the last few years. Appearances can be so deceitful. Some of the oh, wealthiest so people, some of the wealthiest people in the world, you would have no idea that they're wealthy, except they might have a nice boat or they might have like some well, no, random thing here and there. That's what I'm saying though. I feel like oftentimes the people that try to look rich are not yeah, actually the rich ones. It's 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 true. A lot of a lot of times somebody who ha- looks the richest is often in the most debt or not right. not the wealthiest. But like, that's well, a whole other people, conversation. Wealthy people aren't out there driving Ferraris. Well, I mean, they might, they might genuinely, but I feel like a lot of like really smart millionaires would yeah. drive like a Chevy. Or like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because they're putting money where it actually can. Anyway, you get it. Okay. That's a on. whole other conversation outside of these principles. So we're going to go back. So the the third principle that we were talking about is invest that 10% that you set aside and put it towards something that actually makes you money. And now you might be at this point being like, okay, what will make me money? And I we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But the point is start saving 10% minimum, start controlling your expenses and being aware of, of where your money's going and then start investing that 10%. Don't just let it sit in a savings account. Don't just you know use it to buy something that, that makes you happy. Put it to work so that it makes more money. That 10% begins multiplying. And yeah. number four now, Lindsay, you wanna go for it? Guard thy treasures from loss. I feel like I have to say this in like a very fancy, eloquent, old world way. I don't know I, why. I almost feel like that one should be done in like a pirate's accent. Oh God, you don't like, like okay. guard thy treasures. Guard thy treasures <laughs> from loss. Okay, nope, we're, that was bad. We're done. We're done with that. Okay. Oh my God. Okay, so in plain English, what does guard thy treasures from loss mean? It means steward the little that you have now and by doing that, it will set you up and train you for success in stewarding a lot. Like how mm-hmm. many people out there ha- have thought, you know what, when I become super rich, quote unquote, whatever rich means, like then I will learn how money works or then I will finally have, like we all have this concept of like, oh, when I finally get there, when I finally can afford all the things, then I'll start investing or then I'll start learning how money, you know, operates. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like you need to start now. I don't care if you make a dollar or a million dollars. Like you need to invest the little that you have now because the same way that you handle money now with the little is going to mm-hmm. be the same type of way that you handle a million dollars or more or whatever, right? Yeah, And Absolutely. you need to learn to steward it now. Mm-hmm. I think there's something really powerful too to be said for anyone who's listening to this who has kids. There is something very, very powerful in shaping your children's worldview around money when they're mm-hmm. young yep. to A, help them understand that money is not at the end all be all. Money is not a God and money cannot be worshiped. Money is not everything. Money is a tool and it is very powerful. And if we can learn to steward it well, we can have a lot of opportunities to bless others, to be generous. You know, There's so many things that you can teach them on that. But also from a very practical standpoint, to begin helping them understand how to steward money and how to, you know, handle it well, how to be responsible, how to save it, how to invest it, how to, you know, there's there's so much. And I, my parents did that so well with us kids growing up. And I really think that shaped a lot of our money mindset as we became adults. So that's just a quick note. But inside this fourth principle as well, guard thy treasures from loss, it's not just learn how to steward it. There's also a flip side in the book that they talk about is don't make stupid investments. Like be be protective of your investments and your treasures and invest only where you know 
that this this investment is going to pan out. Um, as they teach in the book, they say invest only where your principal is safe. So your principal is that initial, you know, cash deposit that you're putting into whatever investment. So that that 10% that you've been saving and stocking up, let's say you started saving, oh, I don't know, $100 a week or something like that. And you eventually get up to $10,000 and you're ready to invest $10,000 into something. If you were to give that $10,000, let's say to uh, another business owner or uh, a mutual fund or a stock or a retirement account, something, you want to know that that investment will be handled properly to make you more money and a situation where you can get it back easily if you need that principal back for whatever reason. So yeah. just make sure your ROI, your return on investment is worthy of that investment and make sure you're consulting wise people who have experience with investing, with whatever investment you're specifically looking at. Like just seek wise financial advisors because that is the game changer. I mean, truly the game changer when it comes to money. Yeah. So I guess to summarize this point, it was guard thy treasure from loss. So there's a lot of ways that you can guard your money and even your knowledge from from losing money, right? So one way is to steward it now and to really protect your investments now and not just waiting until you get a lot of money. The next one is to feel confident and, and don't make stupid decisions. So handle it wisely and just be a generally wise human being when you're investing, make sure your principal is safe, um, that you're ensuring that you're giving it to somebody or you're investing in something that is a worthy investment. That's not stupid. That's not just a get rich quick scheme or anything like that. Um, and then you're also consulting, you know, wise financial advisors that you trust that, you know, can give you actually wise counsel in that. Absolutely. Number five, the fifth cure to a lean purse is to make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. Okay, I keep saying that in a weird, but anyways. So basically what this, we have some tea on this, not really tea, but like we just have some thoughts on this one. So what they're saying in the book is to own your home. It's, it's a good thing in general, to own your home versus to rent forever, right? If you rent forever, um, and that's like the main way that you're quote unquote investing, then you're always going to be giving, um, like the, your landlord money and you're not yeah. building wealth for yourself. Um, we will say though, it, I, I feel like if, if you are, if you have other investments like in the works, I don't think this is the best maybe place to start. Well, it's not like, it's not uh, how you would categorize, like, uh, what is the word? An investment. It's like more of a liability unless you yeah. have money-making opportunities within your home. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like if you if you buy a home, it's a it's a big upfront capital investment for a down yep. payment. And unless you're airbnb it, which isn't really, I mean, if you're not living in it, then it's technically not your home. But even if you are living in it and you have like an Airbnb or some sort of rental income on it, then obviously, yes, it can make you money or appreciation over the long haul, but that's not necessarily a, a fast way. But yeah. again, you don't, you don't want necessarily to only look for fast, um, quick yeah. money-making opportunities, but I feel like this is maybe not the one that you should go towards the, the beginning. Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay and I were debating this at the beginning when we were putting it down and I was saying, I was like, I don't actually really agree with this principle in the way that it's kind of phrased in the book because it just makes it sound like one of the first investments you should make is to buy your own home and paying rent doesn't make any sense. And I I have thoughts well, on that. I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't think he was saying in the book, don't like, or do this first or do that. No. I think he's saying it as like one of the seven as a whole. 
Yeah. Listen up, entrepreneurs. Do you ever struggle with getting all of the nutrients that you need in a day? Because let's be real, you are busy as heck. Same. Introducing Athletic Greens. We've started taking AG1 because we wanted to see what all of the hype was about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Literally all the things. Yes, AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And a friend of ours describes it as white gummy bear flavor, and that is very accurate. (laughs) Yes, it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in the winter months when you don't get as much sunlight. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash heart. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash heart to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Have you ever wondered what your credit score is and if the free apps are actually telling you the correct score? Well, wonder no more. We have an amazing company for you, credit.com. Credit.com has a product, Extra Credit, that gives you unmatched credit coverage. It helps you build, track, guard your credit, and more. And with Extra Credit, you get 28 FICO scores, rent and utility reporting, $1 million ID insurance, dark web scans, cash rewards, and a discount to a leader in credit repair. We mean it when we say there is no other credit solution that compares. To sign up for Extra Credit, go to credit.com forward slash heart and get started there. To sweeten the deal, you can even get the first seven days absolutely free. It is just $24.99 plus tax a month after the free trial and you can cancel anytime. So go check out extra credit one more time at credit.com forward slash heart. Yeah. But I, I do have thoughts and Lindsay and I were like discussing and, and we were like, why don't we just talk about this on the show? So my opinion is, especially from reading like other financial books, like rich dad, poor dad, and just different financial books, your, the home that you live in is not the big asset that I believe our culture has made it out to be. It is not this like, oh the wisest like investment you're going to make so much money like yes it does build you know like equity you you do gain you know appreciation in the long run for the most part like it's not that it's like the worst investment in the world however if it is the first if you're saving 10% to invest in something and you just save and save and save and save and save and then have a down payment for a home and then pay for a house that you're going to live in in my opinion, that is not the wisest first investment you could make. Because I would it's, not, it's not like a moneymaker. It, it's okay. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, defines the home that you live in as a liability, not an asset. And he has the quote in the book that says, the rich acquire assets, the poor and middle class acquire liabilities that they think are assets. And that is truly, in from my opinion, exactly what defines the home that you live in. It is for the most part, a liability, not to say that you should never buy a home, not to say that it cannot build you know, appreciation over time or equity in your own home, not to say that you should forever rent for the rest of your time. However, it does suck up for the most part, a lot of capital, aka that cash, that, that cash that's sitting in that purse that you're trying to fatten. <laughs> and if you do not already have gold working for you to multiply itself on other avenues... It, your gold that you're putting into your home that you're living in is not going to multiply itself 
in a day-to-day, week-to-week, year-to-year basis. It right. will over, you know, tens of years in appreciation, but I would like encourage- a paycheck that like a rental, like yes. if you bought a house and rented yes. it out. And that's what- that's what I would encourage. Pay attention to other investments, you know, buy a business, invest in somebody else's business, um, invest in, you know, stocks, mutual funds, whatever. Everyone's plan is different. Or invest real in real estate. Yes. Or invest in real estate that is actually, you know, long-term rentals, Airbnbs, whatever that looks like before you ever buy your own home. That is my very strong opinion. Lindsay and I were just debating bef- like before and I was well, like, no, I hate, like, don't, I'm not going to tell people to buy a home well, first thing. Once, <laughs> once you shared your explanation, because I have a very interesting perspective, but it's also a perspective that not everyone has access to. Yeah. We, we rented for, I think the first, oh, like year and a half of marriage. And then our first home that we bought was, I'm just going to, it was a 500K house from in Hawaii. That yeah. was the first home that we bought. But I'm obviously that's very cheap for Hawaii. Um, the only reason we were able to do that was because military pays you BAH, which is basically like they the pay you allowance. Housing. You can yeah. as a military person, you can either live on base or you can buy a house wherever you are based, and and the military will like basically quote unquote pay you money to pay your, pay mortgage. your mortgage. But the other thing we at that time had been married for like a year and a half. We didn't have a lick of money to put down on a down payment for a freaking $500,000 house. <laughs> uh, but if you're military, you can use the VA loan, which is what we did. Um, so that's zero money down. And it, in that situation and that scenario, that was the absolute best thing we could have done. By the time we left the island three years later, we sold it. And I think we made over a hundred K or 150, just like straight up cash from that sale. And obviously that would not have happened if we would have stayed, you know, either rented or stayed on base, um, which I think a lot of military people do. Granted, that's a very unique scenario for only military people because not everyone has access to the VA loan, which is zero down. So a Mm -hmm. lot of people, like I was saying, do have to have that upfront down payment, which is usually like, is it 20%? It it depends. Like first time homeowners is like, Lindsay's like, I know nothing. (laughs) We will say, okay, the downside, we're getting off topic kind of, the downside of a 0% down payment is your mortgage it's is significantly higher, higher, which, yeah. you know, wins but, the but if the military is paying that when you're actually active right. in the military, it is so, very worth it. But, um, the point is, if also, also can, one more thing, one more thing. The reason we made that much money in appreciation is because it was in Hawaii. I don't think if you live in freaking Iowa, I'm sorry, you're not, your house is not going to appreciate that much over three years. Yeah. Yeah. But again, there's a lot of things that go into all of that. But the point is, Lindsay and I do agree to be smart with investing in your own dwelling, like your yes. livable yes. home. At, we both would strongly discourage that being the first investment you ever make. However, if you have already made that investment, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, we we bought a house, fantastic. You That's like, that ship has sailed. Now figure out how you can make continual smart investments into either your home or into other investments and, you know, be saving 10% to invest in other things. So we we just wanted to talk about that because that was the fifth principle in the book. And I was like, I have thoughts. <laughs> or or if you already own a house or your home, if you like have an extra room in your house, rent it out to a friend, like have somebody like you turn it into some sort of rental income that you could help pay off your mortgage. Did that make sense? Like help pay your mortgage every month. That's well, you a can, idea. You, you can. 
I, Lindsay and I have discussed, Lindsay and Andrew are more willing to like Airbnb a room or something like that. Lynn and I are not. We are like, no, this is our space. We don't want anyone in it. <laughs> like we will, right. we will buy I, other places. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Maybe it's the community that I'm in here, but like, I want to be, we've talked about this. This is one of our, one of our family values is to welcome our home and never make it feel like, no, this isn't even just in homeowning, but like anytime we go anywhere, like we want to be like hospitable and we don't want to make people feel like, like they're a third wheel on the, like, like in a Lindsay and Andrew scenario. And so something yeah. like for us, some of that has, has gone into like, Hey, we could see somebody living with us and like either being an, a living injury. I mean, that's what Katie, well, Katie didn't live with us, but Katie basically worked at our house from like nine to five. And then oftentimes stayed for dinner and then oftentimes stayed and like watched the bachelor with us. So like, she was literally with us like all day, even though she didn't sleep at our house. Like she was like there all the time. Yeah. We're getting wildly off topic, but basically I, I like, <laughs> I like the idea of having like a live in, like not even an intern, but just like a live in person that like is an asset. That's not like it's, it's an asset. That sounds weird. That is like a person like in our child's life. I don't know. I yeah. just like the idea of like communal living in a, in a weird way. That's interesting. I, I think when you, when I hear like rent out a room, I, I'm thinking Airbnbs, strangers, people who are coming oh, and going no, no, no. and I'm like, oh, stay no. out of my house. <laughs> no, no. Well, okay. I, if, if you own a home and you have the ability to, I would, I would Airbnb it if it's like an additional dwelling unit on your property. Yeah. Even then, no, I want to tan naked in my backyard. Don't be in my yard. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So like, I, I don't think I would do that. I meant, I meant like, like a, a young girl that's just graduated college, I would I would say, hey, come live with yeah. us for a year and like do life with us. That's what I mean when I say that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Not that's, a I, that's a different story. Anyways, that's the fifth principle is to make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. Now Ooh. we're going to move on to go to okay. number six. Number six is to ensure a future income. So that's pretty much plain English, honestly, but it is to prepare for retirement now. So yeah. many people I think wait. And because of the name of the game of um, interest and compounding interest, you really want to start this earlier rather than later. Um, so make preparations for your family once you die or you can no longer work. I think that's just a smart thing that, I mean, you might be listening to this in your 20 and you're like, hmm, okay, thanks guys. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm in my Gen Z boat. No, start thinking <laughs> about that now. Um, it's the, it's the smart thing to do. And I think it's also just forward thinking to create a legacy that lasts beyond you. Even if you're not yeah. even married yet, even if you're not married yet and you're listening to this, like start thinking about how you can do that now. Because yeah. when you start thinking about it now, when you do get married, if you do have kids, like, and you start building those things, you don't want to get till you're 40 and your kids are like 15 or 20. And you're like, Oh crap. I yeah. didn't prepare for this. Like I didn't set them up for success. I didn't like do anything. Like you want to really make sure that you're making choices and making decisions for your future now. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's something so powerful too. And when you shift your perspective, this wasn't in the book and this is a whole other topic, but when you shift your perspective to future thinking, you you tend to make better decisions now. Yeah. Like not personal, instantaneous like, gratification. Yes, it's it's a it's a, denying that instant gratification for the future, you know, results of not only financial, but even like health and emotional, like relational. And just there's so many different things that when you are thinking with a future perspective, and that does not mean that you're not living in the present. That means that your present decisions have the future in mind. And there's something so powerful in that, especially with finances and being aware of, you know, okay, let's say you make uh, or save that that 10% and you've saved up like 
$30,000 and you're trying to figure out what investment to make, one of the smartest decisions for you and your season of life might be to begin like making small deposits and investments into uh, a Roth IRA or a 401k or something that is going to prepare you for that retirement. Or maybe it's to invest in a real estate property or maybe like, but you're thinking all of those decisions with the future in mind. It's not just this, oh, I'm going to buy a boat or like, oh, you know, if I, if I do this one thing, then maybe in a year I'll have a tenfold increase or maybe it'll totally crash. Like that's not a future perspective that's going to really shape and form your financial decisions. So I guess just in the principle six is pay attention to the future and prepare for future income now. So start thinking about retirement, start thinking about your family, start thinking about the legacy. Like I think in the book, it says, uh, no man can afford to not insure a treasure. Like every single, every single human being has to prepare for old age, retirement and the future. Like it doesn't matter how successful your business is today, how successful your your investments are right now. You have to be thinking, okay, what's going to happen when I'm 60, 70, 80, 90? You know, mm-hmm. and, and having that in your mind now because it is going to guide your decisions. Well, and I I want to say this in the gentlest way possible. And I know most of our audience is younger. So like you're the people that really need to hear this. But if you don't do that, and you live in the now and you live in the moment and you spend your money on champagne and boats. Okay. Not everyone. Okay. I know you people aren't doing that, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like live in luxury now and not, and just push off tomorrow for tomorrow. If we continue that mindset and not invest in our future, not invest in retirement, not actually make a plan, even make a will, like, like make a plan for your future life and your legacy. That's how people get to like 60, 70, 80, and they're living off of welfare and social security because they didn't make a plan. And now they're tied to the government and just like living off of, uh, off of that, which so many people do. And that's why we're saying this to you, the 20 year old that's listening, the 30 year old that's listening, even the 40 year old that's listening, like start now, don't just put it off and off and off. Like now is really the time that you have, you have all the years in front of you as an asset to you use them. Amen. So good. All right. Principle number seven, increase thy ability to earn. So in plain English, learn and educate yourself in every possible facet of your life, your your skills, your business, your finances. Like learn skills in, in business. Continue to dive into, you know, understanding and wisdom in finance. But also like learn profitable skills, like, like increase your capacity to earn, be skilled at what you do. If you are, um, a a photographer, get dang good at your photography so that you get to the place where you can, you know, charge whatever the, your ideal client is willing to pay. You know, there's, there's different things. Be be the best in your industry, no matter what you are. Yeah. Be, I mean, that's just a principle period, but it's also a financial principle because if you, you know, let's say you work for a boss and you're mediocre at your job. Your boss isn't probably going to want to give you a raise. If you are dang good at your job, a good boss is going to recognize that and want to reward you significantly and, uh, you know, increase your, your, uh, influence, your position, you know, whatever you want to call it. A good person is going to recognize, dang, this is worth blah, 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 X, Y, Z, and, and want to reward that. 
Oh, that's so good. I would say in addition to this point, kind of like some points that he talks about in the book is, or I can't remember if he talks about this or I just added this because it's that's me. Um, <laughs> but, I think it was him. But if, oh, okay, great. Like always have an attitude of eagerness to learn. Like never have a haughty attitude thinking that you know it all or you're above learning, you're above education. Like you, you've you reached the pinnacle of like all knowledge. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, always humble yourself in that regard. Um, and I think he says like, the man who seeks to learn more in his craft shall be richly rewarded. Um, When you steward the principles and just the gifts and the knowledge that you know, and you actually learn in that, like that's going to come back tenfold to you. Yeah. Um, And then some, some like actual other principles that he includes in this point is to pay your debts with promptness. Like that is an ethical, nice, not not even nice. That's just like a respectful, ethical, wise thing to do. Like don't, be in debt forever and then like, let it go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, don't buy what you can't afford. Mm. So don't go into, don't go into debt in, in a majority of situations just for, right. Don't use credit card. Like say you really want that like fancy coat and you don't have the money and you use a credit card. Like maybe don't do that. Maybe just (laughs) consider, maybe just consider putting off and delaying that gratification of how fancy you'll feel in that coat for your future. Yeah. Okay. That's, you get it. Anyway, um, (laughs) I already said this, but make a will and a plan for your death. Um, like, especially if you are parents, I'm speaking to myself now, cause this has been literally on me and Andrew's to-do list for like the last year is to make a will. Um, I don't want to be morbid, but like you could get in a car accident tomorrow. I could get in a car accident tomorrow. Um, and, and if you, especially, I mean, even if you're not a parent, but if you are a parent, um, you want to, you want to like, who, who gets your kids if you both die? Yeah. Who, what, what happens to your assets or your money? Like any, especially as you're building all of these investments, you want to have a plan that your wealth and your assets and your legacy for your children is protected and, and are, are going to who you actually want that to go to. Um, last one is like, have compassion upon those less fortunate and give with your time, give with your money, be generous, be an ethical, wise human being. And all of that will come back to, I mean, again, these are things that you might think are like obvious, but again, you don't think of like, oh, being generous or being wise or being ethical as financial principles, but they really are. Cause it's like, when you lead your life in that way, that will dictate how you operate around money and how you choose to use your investments wisely. Yeah. I mean, just to drive that home for a second, if you live your life with greed and self-centeredness, you know, whether we consciously realize that we're doing that or not, if we have this perspective around money of, oh, it's like scarcity, there's never enough, there never will be enough. I'm never going to, you know, and I can't give to this person because then I won't have enough. If, If that perspective is running our lives and we never want to be generous and open handed and, you know, pour out to others or whatever that's going to dictate our financial decisions. That's going to dictate our investments. That's going to dictate, you know, how we save and budget and spend and invest. And it's, so it's, it's not just be generous to other people. That's huge. Absolutely. Like that, that will change your life. I don't ever want to downplay that. And on top of that, it will also completely shift your perspective around how you approach your finances in general. And therefore the decisions that you're making with your finances and with the tool that you've been given. Oh, so good. Okay, I'm going to real fast just run through the old English version of these seven cures to a lean purse. Ready? Let's go. Number one, start thy purse to fattening. Remember that was one tenth. Oh, you get it. Okay. Number two, control thy expenditures. Number three, make thy gold multiply. Number four, guard thy treasures from loss. Number five, make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. Number six, ensure a future income. And number seven, increase thy ability to earn. All right. That is from one chapter of The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson. Uh, Highly recommend. Go 
read that right now. Uh, we'll leave a, a link. To the link. link. Yep. 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 Same, <laughs> Same brain. brain. Same brain. we'll leave a link in the show notes. We love you guys so much. If you enjoyed this episode, if you want to hear some more financial principle episodes, if you have financial books that you've really enjoyed, anything like that, feel free to come over to our Heart and Hustle Facebook group. We love that community over there. It is popping. Let's make a post and start chatting all things financial. Ask us questions if you want us to do more episodes and what specifically you want them on in the finance realm. And we can try to get some guests on who know their S-H-I-S-Z. What was I trying to say? (laughs) Anyways, the the point is just come over, chat with us, screenshot and share this episode and tag us, send us a DM. We just love hearing from you. And that's the bottom line. Mm, So good. All right. We'll see you on the next episode.